There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cooked to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all you can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, it's the story they're all talking about this morning. Whatever else is happening in the world, this is the one that they're all talking about this morning. Uh-oh, Richard! <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. It's all over the place. I'd like to know what you think. We'll come back to it a little bit later on because there are bigger stories in our world. But it is the biggest story out there this morning. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just want to start by offering sincerest condolences to the family of Shane Murphy. He was the lad, 27-year-old, fatally stabbed in Carrigline. Friday night stroke Saturday morning. Also, his dad, known as Wishy, was seriously injured and is still being treated in hospital. A man is due in court in connection with that uh, later this morning. If we get any more details, we'll certainly bring them to you. I lived in Carrigland, you know, for a number of years. Lived very near uh, to Seaview, so I know exactly where this, this happened. Very distressing story. Not to mention the video that's going around from outside the Mercy Hospital. Some nice late night thuggery going on there. And plenty more. It's just been a very violent weekend to think around the, the city and the county but our thoughts in particular are with the family of Shane Murphy and we wish Wishy who I would have known to see from my time in Carrigline wish Wishy a speedy recovery. Coming up later, lots of people will be doing this climb for Charlie or climb with Charlie next weekend and some people will be doing these climbs that don't do a whole pile of climbing or walking or hiking generally. So Pat Falvey will join us later. Just, you know, how do you keep yourself safe and avoid blisters and falls and stuff like that? Also, do you know the way 
you'd use an old sup of wine. It, it's wine o'clock. It's been a long, stressful day. It's been a pain. What a day. And it's wine o'clock. Uh, and you de-stress. Well, one mum that I'll be talking to later on gave up the drink six months ago. Stop doing that wine o'clock and says she's never looked back and she has never been happier so we'll talk to her a bit later but first of all this morning and first of all this week, imagine being involved in something, being part of an incident that made the news, that made the papers, that went to court, that ended up being big news at the time you were involved in it back then everyone gets on with their business, everyone gets on with their lives, the incident is closed effectively But you are living with the consequences four years later. Back in 2018, a man got the Probation Act after he caused a considerable amount of damage. He went on a rampage at a hotel in the city in 2018. The, The thing went to court. It was big news at the time. And it's over now. Except for Katie Higgins, who was a guest in the hotel. It's not over. It still haunts her today, and we've been talking about it. Katie, you and I spoke at the opinion line a a number of years ago about your business, and then I remembered this case from 2018, but I never knew that you were involved. What do you remember about that night in August of 2018? So basically, um, obviously, I'm from Cork City, and I know, you know, I've I've been in that hotel plenty of times, Um. We had gone for dinner. We came back. We went back to the room. We were on the sixth floor. So um, the, that floor, you can't see down in. When you come out of your bedroom, you can't see down into the foyer. Yeah. Whereas from the fifth floor on, you can see right down into the foyer. So there's balconies either side. So we went up to the room um, and... I decided around kind of 10 o'clock that way. It was a Sunday night, so it was quiet around, like, you know, and I went down, I got into the lift, left the room, got into the lift, purse in hand, and I was going down for a bottle of water to the vending machine. I knew there was a vending machine on the fifth floor, so took the lift to the next floor down, and um, the doors opened, and... You know, when you're staying in hotels, there's a lot of the time there's a wooden table or some form of a table when you come out of the lift with like the spa leaflets or you know different things belong to the hotel or you know things like that well that table was upscuttled the legs were broken off it there was like there was just bits of furniture everywhere so within seconds I walked out and I was saying god they must be when the doors opened I was like they must be doing a bit of work so literally with this all happened within seconds so I walked out I turned right and within seconds, this person launched at me. Um, luckily, I was able to get away, um, defend myself and get away. And it all happened so fast that I, I ran to the balcony and I was screaming down to the people downstairs. I couldn't see them. I was just screaming, help me. Because the centre of the hotel... Um, the bedrooms look out on onto the foyer as well. So yeah. there was people's curtains opened and I was screaming, help me, help me, help me. And in between that, he was catching uh, tub chairs and he was catching them like they were bits of Lego and f- throwing them over the the balcony onto the foyer, down onto people down there. Um, so they're lucky 
there was nobody hurt down there. According to the court reports that we read, uh, people were kept in the bar for their own safety. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is he had caused, unknownst to me, he had caused havoc in the reception and um, the foyer before he took the lift to the fifth floor. Um, so this wasn't like, this wasn't, he just went berserk on the fifth floor. He'd caused a lot of havoc before. So the people downstairs obviously knew that he was, this was him was firing the stuff off the balcony. Um, and... Then he came at me with, um, I can't remember, was it a leg of a table or whatever it was. In my head, I was like, this is fight or flight. Um, and my head, um, I was like, I didn't know if he'd gone. I didn't know how to give a knife. I didn't know how to anything on him. So I just, I ran. Um, and I know he, he was behind me for, for a short time. Um, and I think it was a fire extinguisher was what he was what caught his attention so basically when you come out of that lift there's a stairs as well um so i turned right and if you can imagine it you're going along there's a glass balcony and then when you come to the end you're turning down a hall coming back around again onto another balcony um so i ran over to the other side because i knew that uh, like i did self-defense since i was a small a small child and i was like if i can get him at a distance I was like, you know, I had nowhere to run. I would nowhere to go because if I turned left or right, he was going to f- catch me at the lift or the stairs. Mm. So, and this was a complete stranger, Katie. You'd never seen oh, him yeah. before in your life. You'd no idea who he was. And he, chased, he was chasing you. Yeah, and he was bleeding. So I knew he was in trouble himself. Um, so I got over to the other side and he was now facing me in the balcony across the way and he left off the fire extinguisher, but it was the look in his face. Um, so I'm still screaming down. Um, <clears throat> there was one gentleman, I could see him across the way, came out and he ran back to his room fairly lively. Um, so in the in the middle of all this, all the people are now looking out of their bedrooms and I'm still screaming. Um, and this guy, luckily opened his bedroom door and he was like are you okay and I was like I don't know this man I don't know this man and he said come in now by the time the door closed I was like is he with him like I've taken a chance this guy's taken a chance I backed myself into the bathroom and I he was saying come out come out and I was saying I don't have to go anywhere I don't have to go anywhere that you tell me and I was just in an awful state um, and he came out and his the light went on and his partner was in the bed and their seven-year-old son was in the bed. Now, he stayed asleep, thank God, um, because it would have been, that poor child would have been scared for life, I'd say, um, because I was literally shaking from head to toe in a like an awful, awful state. And I had to explain, we were trying to explain to his partner. So she woke up to this woman in their room in an awful state Um <laughs> And like she was going, what's going on? So I had to try and explain. And I said, can I please use your phone? So I rang upstairs. I rang my my partner was up in the room. So as I said, the sixth floor, you can't hear any of the commotion. So he's unaware. He's up in the room. He hasn't a clue. Um. So I rang the bedroom and I said, David, I'm 
but there's a, there's trouble downstairs. I'm okay. I'm safe. Just don't leave your room. Yeah. He's going, what is, what's going on? Like, so he then rang reception. He was like, my girlfriend is after ringing me and saying she's locked in a bedroom with people. Like you couldn't write, it was like something out of a film. He was saying she's locked in a bedroom with people she doesn't know. He was like, uh, and she's telling me don't leave the room. He said, what's going on? So they said, just don't leave the room. So he's upstairs pacing up and down going, what's going on? Um, so anyway, the guy in the room, he was like, look, did you know him? Do you, did, you know, was, uh, did he, did he say anything to you? I said, no, he didn't say anything to me. He just had this mad look on his face and, you know, he was catching bits of, of furniture. I've never seen anything like it. Um, so we were there and I rang reception and I was like, look, what's going on? Can somebody please come and get me? And in the meantime, we could hear him banging on the doors and we didn't know whether he was looking for me. We didn't know what was going on. And the guy in the room with, with us, the, the man that had left me into his room, yeah. was like, I'll have to go out to him. I said, don't go near him. I said, we don't know who he is or what he's on him or, you know, what's going to happen. So he said, just stay in the room. So we rang reception and they said, no, just, you know, go back to your room. I said, I'm not leaving the room. There's no way I'm yeah. not leaving the room. It seemed like I was in the room for hours um, and we were tr- there was no signal. We couldn't get a phone signal on our phones. We were trying to ring. He was saying, will I ring the police station? Where's the local, you know, I said, ring Anglesey Street. Um, so he was trying to get through. He said, "There's this is this is madness going on in the hotel. And they said, oh, all right, we'll be over. And and he said, grand. So I rang reception again. I said, look, you're, somebody's going to have to come and get me because I'm not leaving this room. And they said, look, he's outside the front door now. Come on, you know, you can leave your room. No, he'd left the hotel. Yeah, He'd left the hotel, but in my mind, he could have been standing outside the door. I didn't know where he was. Because he was arrested, again, according to the court reports, he was arrested yeah. off the premises. Yeah, he was outside the front. He was outside on the, by the I think he was by the railings on the, on the okay. river, but he was outside the front door. Okay. Now, at this stage, he's done, I think it was 18,000 euros worth of damage to the hotel. Like, this isn't just, like, breaking up a bit of furniture. This is... There was 11, 11 charges, 11 counts of criminal damage. Oh, I, I went down the following day to see the floor because I was like, did I dream this? Um, And I hadn't. There was the glass. He had broken the glass, like, the big, thick glass on the balcony. He'd smashed that. Um, Crazy stuff. But inside in the room, we got a phone call and it was the girl on reception. She said, you can come down now. Um, there's a guard here so I was saying I can't go down so the gentleman in the room very kindly said I'll go down with you so we came out stepped out of the bedroom and all I could hear was she's alive she's alive she's alive so when I look when I look back now obviously I was screaming for ages and then the screaming stopped I see. when I entered the man's room so obviously the people downstairs were like is she dead has he killed her you know, she knocked out. Like, they couldn't see where I was or what they, they could just hear the commotion and hear a woman yeah. screaming. My God. Screaming. Oh, yeah. So then when I entered, when I went into the room, obviously the screaming stopped. So when I came out, that's something that sticks in my head. I could hear someone saying, she's up there, she's alive. So coming down the hall to go to the lift, this fella came out of the lift and he said, um, he goes, you, you want to go down there now and tell them all you're all right? He goes, it's ridiculous, ridiculous, carry on. Uh, domestic a fight a couple fighting or something to that effect and I was saying 
I actually couldn't even talk. I got into the lift and I was saying, is he actually after seeing, they obviously think it's a couple having a fight um, or that, it, you know, that it was a row uh, yeah. or a, a row or a domestic like, yeah, domestic that we were known to each other. And I can completely understand when people see things like this happening, they don't want to intervene. Um, but I would urge people, if you see something, please ring the guards or please ring like obviously, when they were ringing reception, they were getting no no help. But ring the guards. Yeah, uh, you don't have to get involved yourself. But I, this could have been a lot different if it was a child got out of the lift, if it was an elderly person, anyone. But like I was talking to a lady there when I put my post up, there was a girl messaged me. She said, "I often leave my child run, you know, go to the vending machine outside the the door. They, you know, they could have been just in the door across from the vending machine." The child could have came out, it could have been completely different. Children love the adventure of going to the vending exactly. machine. Yeah. That's it. And if I had had to jump the five floors, this would have been completely different. So when I got into the lift and the gentleman had said that, I was like, this is just, this is mad. Like, it was just so crazy. It was like something out of a film. So I came down the lift, there was a guard waiting. The The reception was thronged with people. Um, thronged and there was people in an awful state. They were, they were in shock. They were like, I'm. I. It was like a zoo. It just there was just people everywhere. It was just crazy. Um, and so I came down. And I spoke to the guard, and she. I kind of went into shock. I I couldn't speak, and anyone that knows me knows I'm never caught for words. Mm. Um, and I just couldn't. She said, "Sit down." She said, "You're in an awful state," and. There was one single, a band guard, lovely, lovely lady, um, and another another guard. And he said, Jesus, I didn't realise it was this bad at all. He says, I just came over with her. I think they thought that it was just a resident that was, you know, getting a bit boisterous. Or yeah. it was just, when I heard that second guard saying that, I was like, they obviously thought it was something simple. He said, Jesus, I, I can't get over the amount of damage. Because the, the reception, I think, was it littered with broken furniture and stuff. Broken furniture. I think he broke computers, kicked bins around the place, and he'd he'd done a lot of damage um, yeah. in reception as well um, before he took the lift. At, at what stage did you get to safety? Did you get back to your partner? How long did that take? So the I was in reception, and the guard said to the girl on reception, you need to to ring her partner. So the, I, th- I think it was, yeah, they rang him to come down. So he came down, he got into the lift on the sixth floor, so came straight down and the doors opened and he comes out to this not realising what, he's like, hey, what, what, what's, what's gone on? Like, So he's sitting down with me and I'm giving a statement to the guards and David's, he can't get over this, like, because obviously he couldn't hear any commotion on the sixth floor. So we gave a statement. Um, I had had a drink, so I couldn't drive my car. Otherwise, I would have been out like a bat out of hell. Um, I went up to the room. There was nobody. I was in an awful state that night in the room the whole night. I couldn't breathe. I was having panic attacks, which I had never, I hadn't had before. Um, couldn't catch my breath. Couldn't sleep. Um, I was just like dazed. Um, so stayed there for the night, got up the following morning, packed my bags, went downstairs. David handed in the keys and he said, um, 
you know what happens now and they were saying oh we don't know we don't know so we left um heard no more and um yeah that 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 was that was the end of that yeah he subsequently went to court he was given the probation act he avoided jail avoided a conviction and I guess the less said about that the better for for legal reasons because that's done and dusted but then yeah you tried to get on with your life mm-hmm. that wasn't so easy it wasn't and I, I'm quite a strong person and strong-minded and um you know and I suppose because I'm a lot of people would know me through like I was I'm a beautician in Cork for years and people would be used to my bubbly personality coming in and um, that hasn't changed but this was something that I had never experienced before like I would be able to go out for a walk no problem Um, loved walking with my earphones in blasting the music striking off I can't do that anymore I can't I you know I'll never be able to walk get out of a lift on my own into a hotel uh, hall I moved to Scotland and um, I was I was working in a salon and in that salon there was a lane at the side of the salon. Um, so that was one of the main things that I had had that really struck a chord with me that this isn't this like there's something seriously wrong here because I remember we all finished work so there was oh Jesus, six girls we'll say so they were we were all the, the cars were parked at the back of the building so we had to go down this lane at night um to go and I froze solid couldn't move like my legs couldn't move and I was saying oh, I can't go down there and they were saying no but we're all together and I was saying I cannot go down there I said there's something like you're going to have to I don't know what you're going to have to do for me they were saying but there's no other way to get to the cars we have to go down there so I, I, I ran like the clappers through it and I knew there was the, one of the girls was at the other end um, but I couldn't couldn't do it or I was jumping like if I went out for a walk if there was a rustle in uh, rustle in a bush I was jumping 10 feet in the air um, very jumpy um, night terrors screaming like just sleepwalking night terrors um and did you go to the doctor about it? I had to eventually. I it, I became breaking point that I was getting really, really panicked. Um, and one day I was at home and it just it peaked. And I got my... Uh, David didn't know what was going on. I got myself in the car. I drove to the doctor. Um, no appointment, no nothing. I went into the desk and she thought I was getting a heart attack because I was grabbing my chest. I couldn't... I couldn't catch my breath, and she was saying they rushed. They rushed me into the doctor. She, she was like, "There's no appointments at when I went in first. And then she looked at me. She was like, "Actually, you need to be seen." So I went in, and I, I just walked into the doctor's room, and I burst out crying, and she, I couldn't get the words out. I was there for about a half an hour before I was sobbing. I couldn't catch my breath. Um. She didn't know what was after. She didn't know what was going on. It was just breaking point that my mind was. This was taking over my life, um, and my mental health was suffering from it. Like how long um, afterwards was this, Katie? This was. Uh, do you know what it was? It didn't happen straight away. It was kind of a couple of couple of months later. Like it was kind of conscious when I, I didn't. I just didn't go out. I didn't go out walking, or I didn't. You know these kinds of things. Like, 
busy in work and stuff. Because it happened in the summertime, so yeah, this would have been the dark nights of winter. You couldn't go out. I couldn't go out, and I wouldn't have, um, because I just was like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing it. I couldn't do it. But it's not until we went away a couple of weeks later that we were on holidays, and I got up. I was, I thought it was okay. Mm. And we went up into the lift. David was talking to the lady at reception and I said, I'll go up to the room, got into the lift, went up in the lift and the lights went out. And by the time David came up to me, I was in a ball in the corner. I couldn't move. I was just frozen solid. Um, I was, the lights had, they were like automatic lights. Mm. Um, they went out by the time I went up and by the time he came up to me, I was in a ball in the corner. Um, we went back to the room that night. I was awake for hours and any sleep I got up then, got, I woke up screaming. I was having severe night terrors um, of being chased, being this instant, like because it all happened so fast, like I was dreaming of these things and, even out for a walk, like if there was a rustle, I was jumping and it just, it really took over. It took over my life. I couldn't, couldn't go for walks. Um, and then when we moved to Scotland, um, obviously that was an upheaval and it was a big change. And I suppose in Cork, it, it affected me, but I knew the areas. I knew where I felt safe for walking, whereas I was now in a country where I didn't know, yeah, you know, the places. So I'd go for... I still to this day, four years later, if I go for a walk, like I have to go, I walk in open spaces. Um, like there's kind of, it would be like a running track. Um, where it's There's a big green in the centre. So I, I walk on the grass because I know that if there's somebody going to run at me, I have a couple of, I've a few minutes, I've a couple of seconds before I know they're going to get to me. Or even if I'm walking past, you know, hedges, on a footpath, you know, if you were walking along a main yeah. road or, or not a main road, but you know, like a I footpath do, yeah. and there's hedging, I'd have to walk off the step because it gives me a couple of seconds if somebody was going to, that split second, if somebody was going to jump out. Have you been diagnosed with PTSD? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so I was put, I was given medication at the time, um, light medication, um, because I was just in an awful state. Um, and I in the UK, I was referred to a mental health team. I never had to, to, had to use it, but um, they were there. Like, they, they do take it quite serious over here. Um, and I'm very lucky. Like, I didn't tell anybody at home. Like, my parents knew. Um, and even telling them the story at the time, I was like, did I make this up? Like, did I dream this? Like, this couldn't have happened. Um, and I'm very lucky, like David's very good and my mum and dad and, you know, but there was nobody, there was nobody, I had told nobody bar, you know, um, my solicitor and things like that. Your friends didn't know the extent of it, no? Uh, I told, I told, I told them um, and I told like very close friends. But like if you told some people, I'd say they'd be saying, oh God, that's, that couldn't happen. Like, that's mad. You know, it, it was like something, as I said, out of a film. Um, and you're kind of second guessing yourself all the time. You're kind of going, did it really happen? Or, you know, to, you know you're trying to, but it did happen. And I have these these lasting effects. Like there was one of the medical reports and the, 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 the doctor said, you know, this girl, is this is possibly never going to change. Like she's always going to have this. And I suppose I'm quite strong-willed and 
I started to go out for walks and like that, it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, make me not go for a walk, but I have to walk in open spaces. There was a guy came towards me one night and I think David, my partner, he was with me and this guy was kind of all over the place walking towards us and I had a water bottle and I cap. it's funny the way your mind works um, this guy was coming towards us and he was kind of a bit dishevelled and kind of staggering a bit and I opened the water bottle and David saw me doing it and he said what are you opening what? I, and I had it up against my chest and he was saying what are you opening that for and I said because if, if anything happens I'll spray him and I'll spray the water in his face and we might get away and he's going like this isn't he said you would have never thought like that before this is mental scarring is what that, what that is, Katie. And can I ask you, why did you decide that now was the time to go on Instagram and, and I'm delighted you have done, talk to me? Yeah, like it's, I suppose, there's a lot gone on um, over the last while with different cases and, you're, you know, I innocently went for a bottle of water. Um, I, you know, there's there's been girls attacked over the last while and and different situations and I suppose it's to kind of I put I put the post up because there was nothing I suppose the the court case is over now for him and he was able to get on with his life and but you can't uh, yeah um I've, I've had to I've had to try to I've had to work very hard um to try and push past this because I'm not going to let it define me and I suppose. I put it up because these things can happen. And I suppose, you know, when somebody's in help, needs help, call the guards. I now have to walk. I, I have alarms. I, I have an alarm in my bag, in the car and on my keys. So basically, if you pull this little trigger, mm. uh, it doesn't ring anybody, but it, it has an hour's worth of alarm and it you can hear it up to 600 feet. Um, so basically, if there was somebody, you know, it might deter somebody, it might take somebody out if they were kind of you know, attacking in a psychotic state or anything, it might kind of just break them out of it or it might deter them. But it would let people know that you were in trouble. And I suppose that night, like as I said, that gentleman that came out of the lift and made the comment about, you know, it being a domestic um, if I had had that alarm with me on my purse or whatever, or on my person, he might have. They might have helped me faster, or they might have actually somebody might have came to my aid because they wouldn't have realized they would have realized that I was in a lot of trouble. Katie, there are probably many people uh, listening who have been caught up in a situation similar or different, and are mm-hmm. living with it years later and wondering, "Am I the only one?" And for those yeah. people. By talking to me, you've done a great service. Do you know what? That's I didn't. I didn't know whether or not to put up the post because it's not for attention. It's, I didn't put it up for sympathy, attention, or to be getting nice comments or anything like that. That wasn't the case, uh, and you know, people have been very supportive, but that wasn't what it was put up for. It was put up so that people that are, I suppose, you know, suffering with things like this and second guessing themselves and. You know, somebody might need to reach out and have a chat with somebody or, you know, that they're suffering with like that PTSD. Um, And I would have never in my life thought I would suffer with something like this. I know I'm working very hard to keep it at bay. Yeah, I'm sure you hope that one day it'll settle itself. 
that's it uh, hopefully and you know it's 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 not going to stop me from living I've never left anything hold me back but you know for somebody I hadn't heard somebody's story like this and I suppose if it can help somebody mm-hmm. um then then well and good um but it just it just and it might make people think a bit as well of you know their surroundings yeah. um and it's not scaremongering. It's not saying, oh, you never, you know, never walk in a hotel hall on your own. Or, no. But it's just, it's just giving people a bit of, you know, or if somebody's in help, ring the guards. Or, you know, you don't have to intervene. Yeah. Um, but if you're suffering, to, to, you know, speak out or to look for help um, and try and get on with your life as best as possible. I'll leave it there, Katie. As I said, you've done a service for people you probably never even heard of because there is mm-hmm. almost certainly someone listening to us that went through something and is struggling. And, yeah. you know, maybe that maybe this conversation will encourage them to pick up the phone and ask for help. And you're not you're not on your own. It may seem like you're on your own. Um, and I was just, I'm not a person that, I suppose, asks for help. Um, but I got, and I was lucky that I got to the point, lucky, and when I say lucky, yeah, yeah. I got to the point where I walked out of the house and drove straight to the doctor um, because I knew, I was like this, my head, I felt like my head was going to explode off my shoulders with the the pressure of this um, and I just had to, had to, you know, ask for, for, for help or, you know, get guidance. Um, and like my solicitor, Mary Tor was great with guidance and help, um, and uh, it's 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 you have to it's the guidance and asking for help basically um, to mind your mind and to mind yourself. Um, it's very important. Katie, look after yourself and enjoy life in Scotland. Thanks, PJ. That's Katie Higgins. Now we were in touch uh, at the weekend with the Clayton Hotel. They've said it's something that they can't comment on. There, there was a court case. It was dealt with and they can't discuss it any further. But uh, we thank Katie for having the courage to uh, speak out and uh, be willing to tell us her story. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. 96FM. There's been a lot going on. The uh, terrible situation in Caroline, which we mentioned at the start of the programme. And then we're told there was an assault on Saturday night on the Grand Parade. Uh, luckily an off-duty nurse and a doctor were in the area. They were passing and did everything that they possibly could. Just wondering, could we mention it and see, could we find out who the nurse was? Because the person who called us would like to thank them. So if you can recall that, being an off-duty nurse or a doctor, you're on the Grand Parade Saturday night. The person, I presume the person involved, would like to thank you for that. Also, we got a video. Um, I think I mentioned this at the top of the program: an incident outside Mercy Hospital, where there was a few people 
seem to be barraging against the, the door of the hospital. Um, a, a security guard trying to intervene. He got punched at least one point. They, they were kicking the door. A pane of glass was broken at one point. Now, there were no serious injuries of any kind, but the guards were called. man in his 30s was arrested and later released without charge. We got that video of the week and that uh, carry on. Also, the fire brigade was called at 2 o'clock this morning to, is it Glen Valley? Um, there was a fire in a skip outside what we're led to believe is a Russian man's house. Uh, his neighbour posted up a video claiming it was an, an arson attack on the man. If you want to see that video, it's on our Twitter, at OpinionLine96. We asked Gardaí for a statement. They said they're unaware of any incident of that, of this nature. Okay. We also heard over the weekend from Yurik. Yurika. Yurika, you sent us a video. You went down for coffee yesterday at the Marina Market and what happened? Yeah, so basically I went for a coffee and when I came back, uh, from the Marina Market, uh, the, the car was parked uh, just the opposite from the from their car park, as it was quite packed. So uh, it was basically next to next to the crane um, on, on the seafront, and we noticed that the car is clamped, as well as a couple of other cars next to it. But the cars on the right and left side were not clamped. So basically, there were like ten or even more cars that were not clamped. Right. So it was almost like randomly picked. Right. And like you were just parked on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's basically just on, on the opposite side from, from the Marina Market car park. Okay. Now, you obviously have to contact someone to get them to come and take away the clamp and pay a hefty fine. But did that's you ask, did, did, did you ask why it was your car and a couple of others? And yeah, the employee who, who, who came to uh, uh, remove the wheel clamp. He said that uh, basically his colleague was doing the morning shift and he didn't have enough clamps. So he basically had only four or five of them. So obviously he just randomly picked a few cars and, and left. Right. And you felt, I suppose, that was unfair. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I wouldn't complain uh, if all the cars were clamped or none of the cars were clamped. But in this case, like I feel it's this really uh, weird kind of case, I would say. Yeah. And tell me, was there a sign up anywhere saying that cars parked there could be clamped? No. Uh, there were a couple of small signs that we saw uh, when we came back, but uh, the, the basically they're very. It's not easy to, to read them, so they're not really legible yeah. from uh, from a distance. You know, so you can't really see what. what and I guess you possibly wouldn't expect it on a Sunday either. It happened on Saturday, actually, on on Saturday morning. Just had to pay the fine and get on with it, I guess. And that's it, so 125 euros, and then we needed to wait for, for the employee to come. How long did that take, by the way? Uh, it didn't take too much, uh, but uh, according to the voice message, it can take sometimes up to two hours. Yeah, so, it was, as we would say in Cork, Eureka, an expensive cup of coffee. Absolutely very expensive cup of coffee. Right. <laughs> Way too much. Okay, listen, thanks for your call. Thank you very much. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Whatever sport you support, we want you to grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. Stick it on for Radiothon. If you need a light to shine it, I'll be 
Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns in May. And this year, Friday, May 27th, is Jersey Day. I'll be there. We want you to hold a Jersey Day. Hold a Jersey Day. Get together with family, friends or colleagues and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. For more, see 96FM.ie. The 2022 Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th only on Cork's 96FM. Next Saturday is the 2nd of April and the great Charlie Board will be climbing Croke Patrick um, for two charities for the Motor Neuron Disease Association. Of course, he has motor neuron disease himself and for Pieta House. His good pal, Vicky Phelan, was meant to be joining him, but she's unfortunately unable to do so. But round the country, thousands of people are doing similar events. The whole day has become known as Climb with Charlie. And there are events all over the place. I imagine there'll be hundreds of people going up Patrick with him. But I suppose on a day like that, many people will go out to climb a hill or a mountain or hike. And they might never have done it before. Some seasoned campaigners will be doing it obviously but some people might never have done it before and they need to mind themselves they need to watch themselves against falls and slips and getting cold because the weekend will probably be quite cold according to Alan O'Reilly at Carlow Weather so I thought it might be good to bring in someone who's climbed more than a hill or two in his time uh, and would know how to prepare for one I speak of course of the great Pat Falvey Pat good morning to you Morning, PJ. Lovely, lovely weather down here in Kerry. I presume it's the same up it, in my home place in Cork. It's gorgeous, Pat. It's it's gorgeous. You you're doing the gap at Dunlow for Charlie on Saturday. Yeah, I'm doing the gap at Dunlow. Like we're going up onto Strickeen and onto Canuck Nebraca. Um, like mainly on the basis that as many many people like will be coming out. Lots of people wouldn't have the experience for the likes of Karen too. Yeah. And I think in relation to the briefing here that I've been asked to give by Charlie and the team is to make sure because there's going to be thousands of people yeah. out getting up, getting out, getting out into nature, and it's spring and it's going to be fantastic. But it's to give those awareness of what to do. And in other words, this is a great cause and everybody is hoping because, you know, outdoor adventure has risks involved that they do it right and that we'll have a fantastic day. Yeah, I think the first and foremost rule would be, Pat, don't go anywhere that you're not able to go. In other words, don't take risks of any kind. Yeah, I think that that's the main message coming out. This is like this is in support of Charlie. It's in support of Motor Neuron and in, in support of Pay the House. So therefore, it is you know in, in our interest to make sure that this is a safe day because it's bringing you know tens of thousands of people out into nature and from the hills. And you don't have to climb a hill. You don't have to climb a mountain. You can, you know, go walk on a beach. You can do something. Remember, it's in the spirit of what Charlie is trying to achieve that uh, this is what this is all about. Like, even as it stands, there's 150 registered climbs on the charity. Like, if you go in to climbwithcharlie.ie, you can contribute there. You can like you you can do this in many many ways. It's the spirit of it, but it's also like you know it's about getting up, getting out, getting mm. fit, which in turn is good for your mental mind and remembering all these people that have their own Everest in pain and things like that. It's also a great way to support yeah. it. Talk to me about footwear, Pat, because that's vitally important. 
Yeah, well, like the big thing with it is to ensure you're wearing appropriate footwear. Now, the thing with it is there's such a range of footwear, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to go into it all. But if it's a case you're going out on a mountain, it's in other words to have a boot that's of appropriate standard. If you're going trekking, just to make sure that you have a proper trekking boot with proper clothing as well, of course, uh, because as you say, like the temperatures may be cold on the day um, and, and to protect yourself from that point of view. But yeah, like the things that will happen on a day like today or like that day is the fact of like you would have injuries like with twisted ankles, you know, hopefully not falls that will actually create anything greater than that. But do remember that like when you go out, it's not like walking down Patrick Street or walking on a tarmac road. Most people will be going on tracks, quilter forests, mountains and beaches. So just most people will know what's appropriate Mm. uh, even when they're thinking it known because they've already put, um, you know, some thought into the fact of what they're doing. The the other thing, I suppose, is like the weather, Mm. right? Because a lot of people will be going out uh, in weather. It's just to ensuring that, number one, that the people you're going with knows what they're doing. If you're going up into the mountains, making sure that you're appropriately dressed for the weather and that it is safe. And, of course, like we, we do know, like mountaineering or, you know, climbing or trekking on mountains you know, is a risk-taking sport. So just be aware of it, um, you know, from that point of view. You mentioned clothing, and as I said, most of the weather forecasters are saying that next weekend will be very different temperature-wise from the glorious weekend we've just had. So I imagine one of the most basic things to have, Pat, is a warm jacket. Yeah, well, like the thing which is if you're going out, a warm jacket, if it's a case it's cold, bring a pair of gloves, a hat. That's where people will lose most of the the heat, you know, uh, through those, a good pair of socks. Uh, Appropriate clothing in the sense, like if you're on a beach, of course, you can just wear a T-shirt or whatever you want to wear. If you're going up into the mountains, just make sure it's... uh, wicking drying material like that if it's a case that it gets damp or anything like that you can hold uh, the heat within you but you know more most importantly for everybody now it's about thinking about where they're going it's about the the route planning about the people that they're going with even if it's a case they're going themselves but most importantly like in anything we do like even if we're going out you know doing stuff for our own fitness and health it's safety first mm. knowing when to, you know, go and knowing when to abort, like, you know, a climb as well. And it doesn't have to be done as well. Remember, like, there's going to be thousands of people out. There's going to be hundreds of people on the mountains, right? You know, if it's a case you have an alternative, maybe switch to another day. Remember, we have an environmental impact on our environment as well. So I think that that's actually some of the main things Mm. that we want to get across like in other words is safety first you know plan your climb enjoy the day Mm. this is what nature is all about and remember it's for you know very special causes and it's about helping others and bringing awareness both to you know mental health and of course the motor neuron disease itself okay all right, Pat. Good luck yourself, and good luck to everything else. Any um, expeditions planned? While I have you, yeah, I, I tell you, like I'm heading for Africa in June. But you know, like the Ukraine war, yeah, 
like we had, like my whole July, we just started back in June, my whole July is wiped out. We had 45 people going to Russia, down into the Central Caucasus between the Caspian and the Black Sea. And in all honesty, in support of Ukraine and everything else like that, we just cancelled the whole sure, lot. Sure. And, you know, after that, I'm back into Africa. I'm off to the Himalayas. I have three months in the Himalayas. Then I'm off dog sledding in the Arctic oh, and hopefully you. finish in South America. <laughs> How do you mean good for me? Is that, like, i being honest, actually. I've been mean, messing I, with you, Pat. I, I think it's great. I actually love it. I know I you do. I absolutely love it. And the people that... It's about people. It's about the people out there that are, yeah. you know, getting out and keeping energized. Yeah. The dog sledding, I would, I, I know you've done that before, and you love it, and it's, 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 it looks mad, but it's, it, good luck with everything. Yeah, come here, and don't forget, right? Okay, for anyone that wants to find out, like climbwithcharlie.ie, get in there, donate. It's a great cause, all and right. you know, all, as always. Lovely talking to you again and lovely talking on the opinion line. Cheers, Pat. Always a pleasure to speak with you. The great Pat Falvey. 0818 96 96 96. He mentioned beaches, actually. Uh, and I was out first trip of the year to uh, one of my favourite places in the world, Fountainstown. We're down there Saturday afternoon with the Onfala for an hour or two. And we called in that the great Angela is still doing her thing in the little tiny shop on the corner. And she's still doing the ice cream sambos, lads. She's still doing them. And great to see. And do you know who I met? I met the great Rockin' Jerry. He's retired now and he's living down in that part of the world. We had a great old chat, the two of us. What a lovely day we had. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Every year, you join us to support a very worthy cause. And each time, we're astonished by your amazing generosity. If you need a light to shine in. Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th for Cork Cancer Services. And once again, we're asking you to include us in your diary. Include us in your diary. Start thinking now about fun ways to fundraise. You could also host a coffee break or fill one of our change collector boxes. I'll be everything you want to. I'll be there. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 26th to 28th. Only on Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 0818-96-96-96 is the number. We will be coming back to this in a little while. If you have any thoughts on it... Uh-oh, Richard! <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Yeah, we'll give you more of that clip in a little while. Will Smith apparently seen at a Vanity Fair party in the early hours of this morning with a, a glass of champagne in one hand and his Oscar in the other. So he seems to have walked away in good form from it all. But your thoughts, welcome, a little later in the hour. 0818 96 96 96. Morris was in touch after I was talking to Pat Falvey. He said that the advice I was given for hill walking was never wear cotton because they're very hard to dry once they're wet. 
and you can die of hypothermia in high altitudes. Always let someone know where you're going and have some form of communication with you at all times, like a mobile phone or a shortwave radio. Make sure the battery is fully charged and you have spares, that you have enough food and water if you get stuck, and that you have a whistle, a first aid kit, and possibly even a flare so rescuers can find you. And this would be the minimum you need in a pack. Most events, Morris, on Saturday, I think, are organised. Um, I think Pat was kind of reaching out to people who would be organising their own, which is fine, but just to stay safe and dress for the the conditions. I think the, the big fear that some people have uh, is that next weekend will be like the weekend we've just had, which was glorious spring. A weekend you'd expect more in the middle of May than the middle of March or the end of March. Next weekend will be dry. Alan O'Reilly at Carla Weather predicting very little by way of rainfall or anything more than rainfall, but much colder. Much colder. You're talking about daytime temperatures next weekend of 9 or 10 degrees at most, whereas at the weekend at one stage, Saturday, it was 18, 19 degrees. It was absolutely gorgeous. So just be wary of the conditions. Morris, thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, on the 6th of April at MTU, the Munster branch, or the actually the national launch, will take place of the Traveller Graduate Network. And I wanted to talk to Breda Hogan, who I think we've spoken before, you and I, Breda, uh, from Travellers in Education. Uh, good morning to you. Hi, Peter. Good morning. Now, you'll be the... Oh, yeah, we did have a conversation before. I think we did, yeah. I think you were in studio yeah. with me. Yeah. Uh, you'll be the Traveller Education <laughs> Coordinator in MTU. And uh, what what is the Traveller Graduate Network all about, Breda? Um, yeah, so I'm acting uh, Traveller Graduate uh, Coordinator. I was a Traveller Support Worker beforehand. Sure. Um, but the Traveller Graduate Network is basically, it's the first alumni network of its kind in Ireland for travellers. Uh, it was set up by travellers specifically for travellers. Um, and it was set up, I suppose, to give support in education, in the job market, and to people actually currently in education as well, um, and graduates, I suppose, that leave third level and second level education. Yeah, now just 1% <coughs> of the travelling community uh, manages to graduate with a third level education. It's still it's still difficult for travellers to get in there, isn't it? It is. like The, the Irish population, only uh, seven, uh, sorry, 0.7% of Irish travellers uh, make up the Irish population and of the 0.7% of the population like 80% of travellers are unemployed and this is a barrier that travellers face it's not because there's a lack of I suppose people wanting to work this, it's not because people don't want to get up and do something in the morning it's because of lack of qualifications and also there's discrimination and there's barriers that travellers are facing at even interview stages when it comes to employment um, so what the Traveller Graduate Network is, supposed, is about is to um, encourage travellers to participate in education, uh, to educate them about the options that are available in third level and apprenticeships and things like that to get them into mainstream employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose post third level education is just to give them support and networking for employment. Like we know in Ireland, it's not what you know sometimes, it's who you know when it comes to getting a job and business and stuff like that. But when you have no one to trailblaze beforehand and you have no one in these businesses or you have no connections, it can be very, very hard for, we say, a traveller to walk into a business and be the first traveller to ever walk in there and be, want to be interviewed, you know, for a, for a position. Yeah. So I suppose the main reason behind the TGN is to kind of make these network connections possible. 
build our build our reputation with businesses and try and get travellers into mainstream employment and education. Yeah. Now, before you go to third level, you've got to finish second level, finish your leaving cert. And will you be working in the schools as well? Yeah, so um, they... The pre, um, so the secondary schools and primary schools, we're hoping to hold information sessions for both the children and the parents. Like when it comes to travellers, the parents are a vital part of mm. education. Um, like parents have extra experience the discrimination and things like that themselves mm. and the barriers that they face. And as well, like parents understand that it is very hard for their children to get into employment. So it's more of a wraparound support for the family rather than just the individual because the parents need to be able to see that their child will be cared for, that they will be treated fairly and that they will be given the right support to progress on further, do you know? Yeah. Um, I, and that's actually a big part. You've been through uh, third level and are still in the, the third level sector yourself. I mean, what was your own experience going in there? When I went into third level at the very start, I didn't identify as a traveller. It was only a very small group of people that were in my class that knew and those were the people that I mixed with there was three or four people in my class that would have known that I was a traveller um, it wasn't public knowledge mm. but you see what happens then when you don't identify as a traveller is you like a lot of travellers face identity issues and they go through that on a daily basis and you're sitting in a classroom and you're like do I say it now do I not do I identify am I I'm a fear of being discriminated against do I do you know and like for myself I sat in a conversation one day and I heard people discriminating against travellers saying like oh sure like what's the point what are we learning this for they don't go to college they don't go to college they don't go to education we don't need to know this stuff yeah. and that was my like light bulb moment to be like lads I'm standing right here yeah, I, I think, what was that like? The first, the first time you did that, the first time you, you listened to a conversation and you go, uh, "Hello, what, what kind of?" No, response it wasn't the did first time I've heard the conversation, but at the point I, I got to a point where I was just like, "People need to see yeah. the role models in the traveller community. People need to see the travellers actually are in education, yeah. whether they choose to actually identify or not." They are there. Yeah. And I was like, I just broke every single one of your stigmas by standing here and saying, I am. I'm standing right next to you. Yeah. Do you know? What did they say? And to I you? think it's changing perceptions is fairly important. How did they respond to you when you when they realized? Ah, uh, sure, you know yourself, now the couple of jaws hit the floor and they were like, Oh Jesus, do you know? <laughs> but like <laughs> it's good in a way. Now it was very daunting experience for me to do and I was extremely nervous about doing something like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it's important that people understand that you have people from different walks of life in every area of education, of of employment, of, you know, and we should be celebrating our individuality rather than hiding it and being ashamed of who we are. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's the main reason as well. That's the main kind of message behind the TGN. You know, we just want to show travellers that they can, they can branch out into different um, employment streams. They can be doctors, solicitors, whatever they want to be. And yeah. we're here to support them if that's if that's the dream, do you know? Okay. And that's the Traveller Graduate Network. Is is there a website, Facebook page? Where can people go? Um so yeah, it was founded by Leanne McDonough and then there's three co founders as myself, uh, Gavin Hennessy, who's the head of diversity inclusion for AXA insurances, and then um Amory Quilligan, who's a social care worker, she works from Tipperary in Limerick. Mm-hmm. Um but we have put together, uh, we have a website, we have a LinkedIn group, we have, um, we're not really keen on socials at the moment, 
Um, but maybe down the line, uh, we will be having socials and we have a website that will be launched as well on the 6th of April. All right. Well, good luck with it, Breda. Uh, and good good luck with your your own continuing success. We, we spoke, uh, it's a year or two, it was a long time ago now. Everything is pre-pandemic. We spoke about Breda and her own educational pathway and she's doing great things. Thank you. Breda Hogan uh, from the Traveller Graduate Network. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Is there a wine clock in your house? Or a beer clock? But is there a wine clock in your house? Is there a time of the evening where you just say, Oh, thank God. Is there a time for that? Do you de-stress with the old bottle of wine? Or that's the wine, rather, in the evening. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it. I know a lot of people that do it have been known to do it myself of a night. But, Terry, you gave it up completely three months ago. Six months ago? Six months ago. And yeah, I suppose the question is why. I mean... You wouldn't have been a heavy drinker, would you? Just every a glass of a glass of an evening time. Do you know something? It was like a de-stressing thing. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so like when the kids would have like a day where you were just too stressed, and then we locked down. You'd have a drink to re- would be kind of like what's the word I'm looking for to just calm down and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was just having such a negative impact on my own mental health that I said no I was like I'm going to give it up and I read this book and it made me want to do it even more right so I just said no I'm done with it and like were you drinking much or I know like I'd have a few drinks at home at the weekend and like if the kids if I had a stressful day I'd have a glass or two of wine yeah but like it was just kind of a habit like if I was stressed oh there's a bit of wine yes Yes. It was more of a habit than anything else because it doesn't de-stress you because you even get more wound up because yeah. you're tired the next morning from the effects of it and everything. Yeah, and kind of the end of the day, put on the telly, bit of Netflix and the glass of wine. Yeah. And, and th- there aren't many benefits because you'll go for the second one. Yeah. Do you know? So you, did you just decide, right, that's it, I'm done? I did. Um, I had read, I'd started reading a book um, called The Sober Girl Society. Um, it was about like, it, it, they call it sober curious or wanting to be sober. Right. And um, I was just like, the more I read it, now it's very, the book is very aimed at women. So it's very about the effects that alcohol can have on a woman's body. Uh, more so obviously than a man's because it is the sober girl society. Um, and it just made me go like Jesus and it really honed in on the, um, the mommy wine culture about how they advertise to women yes yes. even coming out with the pink gin and the rosé and everything pink and girly yeah so I was like yeah yeah and was it difficult at first uh, do you know what I found hard to do at first like you said they're now chilling down um, sitting down watching Netflix and stuff 
I, I wasn't sitting down relaxing at all because I wasn't sitting down to relax and have a drink. Yeah. So I had to kind of be like, I'd do everything, keep going and then jump into bed. And then I was a bit like, Jesus, I have no me time now at all. Um, so I had to be like, sit down. It's all right to sit down and watch some Netflix without a glass of wine or a bottle of beer. Yeah. It's fine. So it, I, that took a bit. And um, but like, I was only saying to friends, in the last few weeks, I'm only really seeing the difference between my energy levels and my sleep and everything. Okay. Okay. And what are the differences, Terry? Like I have, I'm getting much better sleep. Um, I I would be on um, antidepressants. I'd suffer with my mental health, and I feel like I'm much more in control of that. Right. Like, if I'm having lows, I can have them, and I can control them. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'll have a drink there now because I'm not feeling good, so it's not prolonging it. Mm. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and when you get a bit flat, you're able to pull yourself out of it quicker, are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm able to have the feelings. Now I'm doing other mind stuff as well. So I started reading a lot of mindfulness books after giving it up because I just wanted, I was getting better control of my mind. I wanted to be more aware. Yeah. So, and I thought I have more energy, I have more time. Yeah. So, so, so is drinking gone forever now, Terry, or is it just would you have a drink if you're out socially, maybe? I know I've been out socially. I've had some non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Um, and I've been grand. It was grand to get. It was brilliant to be able to go. Yeah. I must say, the non-alcoholic beer. beer is a godsend. It's an absolute godsend. Yes, it is. Like, um, I my one now. I've tried a few of them being out, and I like the Urginger one. Yeah, they're nice. Um, yeah. yeah, so, but there's some nights then you could have some of them and wake up the next morning and you're all go over. You will, because if you have a half a dozen bottles of them, it's whatever's in the bottle that 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 will it's, give it give it a head. Someone taught me years ago it's yeast or something. I think it I is. Yeah, know. I think. And the thing is, there's only so much Coke or Seven Up you can drink, like. That's it, because like, I, I love my cans of Diet Coke and there's no way I'd sit in a pub and pay three euros for a Diet I know, Coke. I know, it just it feels like you've been robbed, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... So, no. so six months on, you're, I think you're saying the best decision I ever made. It really, really is. Um, like like you asked there, now a lot of people are like, is it forever? And I'm like, I have no desire to have a drink and mm. like... There's to me now. There's no benefit to having a drink. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's if I and like that's what I think. Like I've had low. I've had people message me on uh, Instagram after putting up my post that um oh they'd love to give up the drink, but they just find it too hard and this that and the other. And I'm like, that's because you look at the negatives. Yeah. Like you look at the aspects of oh how am I going to get through this night out or that night out or oh I have a christening or I have a wedding mm. and not but like that the book I read really honed in on the positives of giving it up yeah. yeah yeah and it just shows that it's becoming a thing because there is lots of um, non-alcoholic options out there nowadays there is an awful lot more than there used to be do you know and, and I guess yeah. even my own just personal I mean if I'm going to something and I know I'll have to drive later you know, a couple of bottles of non-alcoholic is great. Do you know? Yeah, and it uh, like it, it takes away a lot of the questions of oh, you're not drinking, you're not this, that, and the other, and mm. 
I am drinking, but I'm also driving because it's not. Yeah, having having a few zeros, as we say ourselves, you know, having a few zeros. So you'd advise what's that that book? I know it's written. It's written probably for women in mind, but you called it Sober Girls Society. Yeah, there's loads out there. After reading that one, I discovered there's loads of books out there. Um, Who wrote Who wrote that book? uh, Do you know? Can you her name is Millie Millie Gooch. Okay, Millie Gooch, that's a great name. She was a girl, just uh, middle twenties, was living in London, having the high life, and just realised she was embarrassing herself at the weekends and right. this, that, and the other, and decided to give it up. And she's running all of these things now for Sober Girl Society and everything, and it's mm. it's fab. She does no, not in Ireland, uh, but like she does things all over the UK, like. Um, there's, it's bottomless brunch. She's a different word for it. Right. But people who are decided to go sober, like meet up and do things. Right, right. The bottom, bottomless brunch so, without without the prosecco. Yeah. Or or what, what do yeah. they call it? No secco. <laughs> I've seen that. Out no there. secco. No yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried it. No, I'll be honest. With you. I, I probably unusual as a fella is that I love I love a drop of prosecco, right? But I've never I haven't I haven't tried the the no secco at all. <laughs> it's actually practically the same Is it? it's the only kind of one that I've said oh god it's like bang on like it feels like you're drinking Freaky. Prosecco it, it's just got a slightly slightly lesser tang in it I must, must try must try how old are your youngsters? Um, I have a 13 a 10 and a 5 year old god you have your hands full you have yeah. your hands full you poor woman <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, I have to, the, and I'm, I know it. It isn't. It's. It's no surprise that you were having a glass of wine at night. But then you know, six months. Oh yeah. Six months on. But even there now, the the thirteen year old had a match at quarter past ten on Sunday morning, and right. they was up fresh as Daisy. They are. They are. And it was great. Like that's, that's the thirteen, ten, and five. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a seven day week. Yeah, they're good kids though, I, know. I admit, like, I, I'm not as, um, I'm like a taxi now at this stage. Oh, listen, I know, I know. Now, you've got an Instagram, Terry, me and my three. Terry with an I. Yeah. Me and my three. And all- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All this stuff is, is in it. Good luck. Good luck to you. And Millie Gooch wrote that book, Sober Girl Society, and you'd recommend it. Oh, I would. It's a nice, easy read as well. And it just shows a lot of the positives to giving up alcohol as opposed to focusing on the negatives. Sound. All right, Terry, thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line. Terry McGinn, uh, you'll find her, Terry, me and my three. There seems to be a lot of it going on. And she's right there, but the, the whole non-alcoholic beer thing. Um, there's such a range of them out there now that it's possible to go to something and say, right, I have to drive in the morning or I've got to drive home and have a you know, a non-alcoholic beer or two. And it's more places that have them now that don't have them, which is great. Because it used to be almost impossible to find a non-alcoholic beer. But they're out there now. All the various beers have a zero now. Which Now, the only thing about it, the only thing about it is, can someone please tell me why? And remember, excise duty, didn't we talk about that a few weeks ago? There's excise duty on a bottle of beer. There's excise duty on a pint. Because of the alcohol, there's excise duty on alcohol. But if I have a non-alcoholic bottle or a non-alcoholic pint or I spotted non-alcoholic gin a couple of weeks ago in a shop, haven't had the guts to try that yet, why does it cost the same, if not more, because the last time I was in Spain, they had non-alcoholic beer. Might have been a San Miguel or some one of those. They had a non-alcoholic version. It was a euro cheaper for the pint. No such luck here. 0818. Yeah, look, there you go. My pet hate. Why is it three euro or up for a tiny bottle of mineral in a pub, says Jimmy in Cove. And Kate says, what I hate is the attitude of people when you say you're not drinking. They're shocked that you're not drinking. The cost is scandalous. Yeah, Kate. And an awful, an awful lot more people would have, I think, a couple of non-alcoholic bottles or pints or no secco or gin without alcohol. If it was cheaper. 0818969696. And we mentioned this at the start of the show. And with all that's going on at the world uh, at the moment, it it's just so happens that a celebrity spat between two fellas who, if you look into it, they've no record of liking each other. These boys don't send each other birthday cards or Christmas cards. Uh, I don't think. Uh, they, they don't, and uh, they may well have been, um, they may well have been crosswords between them at a previous Oscars. They, 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 they don't like each other, Will Smith and Chris Rock. But they really, really, really grabbed the headlines in the early hours of this morning, our time. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. You the- my name. 
Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. <laughs> Now, the background to this, the backstory is that Will Smith's wife, Jada, she suffers from alopecia and uh, she's obviously not got a lot of hair. And G.I. Jane is a character in a movie from way back, bald soldier. And that was the basis of the joke. But she's very sensitive about her alopecia. And she obviously, well, from what we're hearing, there was, she, she looked hurt. She winced, if you want. When, when he told the joke. Now, bear in mind, the two boys don't seem to like each other very much anyway. But what do you think of it? Like, some people are suggesting, is it staged? Was it staged because the Oscars are kind of dull and boring anyway? Or what? What do you think? I'll play it again. So I, if you hadn't heard the backstory, and I just told you the backstory for the first time. So, Will Smith's wife has alopecia, and therefore... We've talked about alopecia on the program with people who have alopecia. Your your hair comes out in lumps. It's a horrible thing to have. And she's very sensitive about it. And she, you know. So with that in mind, plus the fact that, as we said, they don't seem to get on very well, these two boys. What do you think of it now? Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked out of me. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. No! I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Now, apparently the police department and all were called at one point, and now there was no police report or no complaint made. It happened actually only a short time before Will Smith went on to uh, collect his first Oscar as Best Actor for a film I haven't seen yet called King Richard. Uh, Jessica Chastain won Best Actress. Kenneth Branagh won Screenplay for Belfast, which is a super film. Uh, Coda, which I think was an Apple television movie, won Best Picture. Uh, Again, uh, No Time to Die from the movie of the same name won the Song Award. Uh, Billie Eilish won that. But the Oscar, there's just a long, it's like it takes forever to do. You'll see the highlights tonight on the telly. I wonder, will they leave that bit in? Would you think? 0818 96 96 96. Just getting back to the non-alcoholic drink. Kevin says, I remember a while back you had someone on who explained the extra cost of making zero zero beer, but you'd need to ask a TD where there's duty on it. Yeah, it is costly to make because they brew it. I, I can't remember who he was, but they, they brew it. And then they take the alcohol out of it. So they make, and that apparently is why it tastes nice now. It used to, oh God almighty, you wouldn't drink the stuff, oh God, years ago. Like you wouldn't put it on weeds, the older ones. But now they brew it the same way. 
And then in another process, they take the alcohol out. And that seems to be why it tastes so good. But it's an expensive process to do. Uh, Michael says, yeah, that's a... Um, one of the reasons the alcohol is expensive might be because there's a cost to removing the alcohol. There is. I wonder, is it the same cost, though? Because if I was able to have a pint in Spain for nearly a euro cheaper when it was non-alcoholic... 0818 96 96 96 Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Staves have released their latest album, Good Woman, and return to the Cork stage tonight as part of their new album tour. The show takes place at Cypress Avenue with tickets still available on the door. Access all areas. Also taking place tonight is the Carpenters tribute show We've Only Just Begun. Tony Lee returns to Ireland with her 30-piece orchestra and the show has sold out its previous Irish performances with limited tickets left from the Opera House. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Side. On Cork's 96FM. Do you ever wonder how much food gets wasted in this country and how much of it might actually go to better use? Now, we know that a lot of supermarkets and there are great companies and great organisations collecting leftover food from supermarkets and it's going to charity and, and, so it, and so it should. But I want to talk more about a thing called toogoodtogo.ie. This is an app, Too Good To Go. And Jamie Crummy, what's it about? Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me today. Delighted to do so. We waste an awful lot of food. An awful lot of food is left at the end of the day in the average supermarket, hotel, restaurant. So what? how does Too Good To Go work? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure to introduce Too Good To Go. So here at Too Good To Go, we're all about fighting food waste. Now, for those that know about uh, the app, it is all about rescuing food that is Too Good To Go in the bin. So we work with a whole host, an eclectic mix of, of businesses from, from local restaurants, cafes, bakeries, through to supermarkets and hotels. And what people do is they log on to the Too Good To Go app and rescue a surprise bag for a reduced price of food that would otherwise have gone in the bin. So it's a really simple, fun and engaging way for businesses and people alike to fight food waste and do something positive for the environment. So it's is it like an online food bank? No, it's a it's it's an online marketplace. So people purchase a meal, a surprise bag or surprise meal through the app and then go to that business to collect it during a allotted collection window. Okay. Okay. So I would get on the app and I'd see any particular you know, Johnny Johnny's fast food place and he's got he's got a couple of burgers left and, he, and I can just say, right take a surprise pack, and then I go to Johnny's place and pick up my bag. Exactly, exactly that. So there's a, there's a whole place, whole load of places which have joined us in Ireland now. So we, we launched in Dublin uh, of September last year, and we're now active in, in Galway, in Cork, 
with uh, with loads of great places in Cork on the up now. Everything from sort of uh, Sunflower through to um, through to Soma Coffee and loads of other places as well. So brilliant, brilliant businesses on the app, fighting food waste with us, and an opportunity for everyone in Cork to, as I say, to start fighting food waste and start rescuing food from some of your favourite businesses. Yeah, because look, it's not... It- if if it's left over, the chances are, unless it goes to someone like you or goes to a charity, it is going to go in the bin. So it's exactly. perfect, perfectly Ex- good food, so why not take it home? Exactly that, yes. It's all perfectly good food. And the really sad reality is, is that we're throwing away so much food on an annual basis. In Ireland alone, we're throwing away over a million tonnes of food on a yearly basis. A million tonnes. Yes, and globally, and globally, you know, forty percent of the food that we produce ends up being wasted. So forty percent—that means a landmass the size of China is used to create food, which ultimately goes in the bin. So it's a huge, huge environmental issue, but also a social and financial one. So by using Tuga to Go, you're not only um, helping to to reduce food waste, but you're also helping to fight climate change as well. That's a cool idea. Jamie, thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line to discuss the Too Good To Go app, which you can download and you can find who's on it in Cork and then you order your dinner and it's leftover, perfectly good food, but leftover might otherwise go in the bin, but you go and you get it as a discount rate. I like that. Thank you, Jamie. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, on the Oscars, the guy, John says, the guy should be barred for life from the Academy for life for the life of me I don't understand why he wasn't removed from the audience straight away just because he was nominated there's no reason to tolerate behaviour like that any genuine grievance has to be addressed in a reasonable way says John and then if I was going to give someone a dig over someone something they said about my wife or my kids it wouldn't be an open handed slap all staged in my view not so sure about the staged bit People were saying that in the early hours, but now it looks as if Smith could be in a little bit of trouble for it. Even though Chris Rock, I think he declined to file a police report, but uh, I was thinking about it this morning when I heard it break first. You know what? Defending your wife's honour and in fairness, if she's got an illness that she's conscious or, or condition rather, that she's conscious about and and it's been painful for her, then defending her honour, I suppose, is a very noble thing to do. There's a, isn't there a line between defending her honour and, and making a goal of yourself on world television? And was there somewhere in between? Was he, was he trodden that line? I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. Oh, we won it. 96, 96, 96. Yeah, but I asked to mention this again. We did it earlier on, but there was an assault on Saturday night on Grand Parade. Not exactly certain where on Grand Parade, but on Grand Parade. And it seems that an off-duty nurse and a doctor came to the aid of the person who got in touch with us. And they're okay. They were passing and they came to the aid of whoever was involved and they did everything they could and the person who contacted us said, could we find out who the nurse was um, because they'd like to thank her. So if 
that rings a bell with you or anybody that you know. A nurse, off-duty nurse, in the Grand Parade area, Saturday night. Not too sure exactly what time or what part of Grand Parade, but sure if it happened to you, then you know it. Or if you know someone it happened to, then they'll have told you. But we're looking for, our correspondent is looking for the nurse that came to, I presume, their assistance Saturday night. Just wants to say thanks and we can arrange contact and all of that. 0818 96 96 96. Now the Cork Lifelong Learning Festival has grown mushroom. I suppose it, it slowed down a bit during lockdown obviously but it has mushroomed over the years into an enormous festival that runs for the first week in April. It'll run from Monday 4th to Sunday 10th April. Siobhan McCarthy is their coordinator. Siobhan, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks a million for having me on this morning. Delighted to do so. It has mushroomed, hasn't it, over the years? It sure has. It's one of those festivals that really Cork has taken to its heart. You know, I'm, I've got one of the best jobs really in the city because I just sit back and wait and all these great events come come up out of the out of the forest to, to greet me and it's fantastic. Did I read it wrong? 350 different events during the week. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you said, from the 4th to the 10th of April, and we have a huge a kaleidoscope of events is the way we like to describe them. So and they're all about learning. They're all about celebrating learning and, uh, you know, finding out, can you learn something new for 2022? That's a nice little ring to it too, hasn't it? (laughs) Learn something new for 2022. I guess if you look back... (laughs) Maybe why the festival has become so successful would be that you might have thought once, oh, learning, or oh, finished that school, or I didn't believe in cert, I'm yeah. done with learning, I don't want to be learning anymore now. But we yeah. learn every day. We have a saying every day is a school day. You learn something every day. So there's huge catalog. Go on there and learn how to, I don't know, learn, learn, learn how to fish or learn how to cook or learn how to play a musical instrument. It's all learning. I know it's all learning and and we love it. It's uncurated, really. You know, we we ask the people of Cork and our partner organisations to come up with an idea of something fun or something interesting or something they're passionate about learning or teaching. And then um, we invite the public to come along. And as you said, it's been going on for so long. Since 2004, this will be our 17th Lifelong Mm. Learning uh, Festival. Mm. And down through the years, um, the festival has sustained itself because people have changed their attitude to learning. You know, they're they're more interested. We've all seen through um, through COVID and lockdowns, we've all had to get to grips with technology and Zoom and Teams and things. We thought we'd, we were definitely not done with learning, that's for sure. And what was that? that was learning in itself, learning to re- re-platform yourself, as it were. Absolutely. And uh, so we've we've invited people, obviously, technology is here to stay. And if we hadn't had COVID, you know, we'd be looking for ways to get technology more blended into the festival. So this year we've opened it up for we're delighted there's so many face to face events, but we've also got about 50 online events as well for people who are maybe a little bit more anxious uh, or just want to do it from the comfort of their own home. Yeah, you've uh... You have an international conference as well, which I assume is both in person and online. 
Well, it's going to be in person. Please, God, we'll have some inputs from online, but we haven't figured out how to merge the two wholly yet. But uh, it's going to be in person in the Triscoll Christchurch. So, yeah, our international conference is a feature of the festival for years. And what we do is we invite other learning cities who might have um, a little project or an initiative that they feel could be replicated in other cities. And what we do is ask them, invite them to come along, share those ideas, bring other cities in and see, you know, can we spread the learning? Can we spread the good news about learning cities? Yeah. Now, there's a catalogue, which is not actually, you would think, it's not the size of a phone book. It's quite a, a compact, <laughs> it's not a, quite, a, quite a compact little one. And it's also available online. Where can we get the catalogue? You can get the catalogue in Cork City Hall. You can get it in all of your uh, Cork City libraries and you can get it. And we've been working on Catherine. My assistant is out there spreading it around the city as we speak. So lots of the event hosts will have their catalogue. And this year, as you mentioned, we're online too. So you can you can bookmark it in your phone, Cork Learning Festival. Dot .ie okay. and you can search by day or time. Okay. Okay, I must uh, and you know what I might do actually while it's on is I might pick out some of the some of the quirky ones because that'd be fun. There's some really strange one, well, different ones, quirky <laughs> ones you can do. Like Siobhan, thanks for that. Siobhan McCarthy, the uh, coordinator of the lifelong Learning Festival, which is April 4th to 10th. The Barrio Regan of Rising Sun Karate, you take part in the festival. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, we we take back every year. Um, it's great fun. Um, it opens up our, our karate and self-defense to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to enjoy it. You know, again, um, it's only a couple of classes, but sometimes they, they stay stay with us, you know? Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You you, you go along for something like that. Um, why don't we try this? Why don't we try? And then you end up, you know what, I like this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We've had some students that became black belts over, over five years. Really? Someone that wandered in for a look during the festival? They just wandered in. One guy came in with his two two daughters and son and they just fell in love with it and that was it. Wow. You know? Yeah. Now, you're around a while, Rising Sun. How many years? We're around 41 years now. We found it up in Ballinock. We're up in St. Anthony's Sports Hall at the moment. Right. Um, Long time. A lifetime. Yeah. It is. How did you get into it yourself, Barry? Well, I tell you now, Bruce Lee was my first hero. I remember going to the Capitol <laughs> Cinema, watching uh, one of his movies and coming out and I was only waiting for someone to attack me. Yeah. I walked down Grand Parade and they were saying, will anyone, will someone attack me? <laughs> right. I was on such an adrenaline buzz watching that movie. Yeah. That I was hooked. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Action. And we all, I think we all have our action movie heroes, uh, but then it's yeah. important to get in and do it properly. Yes. Do of it course, properly. Oh, do you yeah. know? Well, well, we teach the basic, the very, very basic um, yeah. form of karate, self-defense, if you like, yeah. um, realistic stuff. You know, not yeah. funny, not, not all games. You know, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. You know, you, you 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 just have your own body to defend, basically. And That's if, right. If you if you break it down, there's not a lot there. You know. So, That's right. It's just you got to protect yourself. That's and obviously right. That's right. Control, you know, protect you know, protect yeah. yourself. In other words, actually, well, I'm, I, a pal who was in it for years, and I, I'd be a big fan of the. The movies that like like you would. It's more important to get out of the situation without getting injured than hurt anybody oh, else. Absolutely. Well, well, most most if not all karate guys, they will avoid every situation. Yeah. The thing is to avoid avoid be confident enough to walk away. Yeah. And yeah. avoid the situation, and, and and you know be aware. You know awareness is very very important. 
yeah. of, of your surroundings and where you are, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, and it's a mindset. It's a mentality rather than, yeah. rather than a, a, a defence yeah. system. So you'll be running yeah. the... When, it, when are your taste or classes, Barry? We're up on a Tuesday night in St. Anthony Sports Hall in Ballinock at a quarter to... Sorry, seven, seven to eight. And we're there Thursday night from quarter to seven to quarter to eight. Okay. Okay. And again, like everyone's welcome, and sure, look, it's, it's a bit of fun and fair juice today. The uh, the lifelong learning festival, it's 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 massive now. It's just massive. It's enormous. It's enormous. Massive. I mean, three hundred and fifty yeah. different events. Unbelievable. In, 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 yeah. in, in, in a week. That's fantastic. Barry, thanks, and good luck to everyone at Rising Sun Karate. Forty-one years in business, and that's amazing. Somebody walks in for a taster night, and five years later, they're a black belt. That's how cool is that? 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Which Disney character was the first to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Uh, Mickey Mouse. I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just going to warm up, just in case. Are you warming up? I don't want to get your hopes up. The Disney character, the very first one, was Mickey Mouse. You've done it! What are you going to do with the money? A little holiday for for the family, hopefully. Uh, yeah, maybe a little somewhere. Uh, Taking the game to 126 grand. Well done, Danielle. Thanks so much, Will. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Heading off to see Katie box at Madison Square Garden, taking on Amanda Serrano for the lightweight world title. We've had qualifiers for the last couple of weeks. Simon Murdoch at lunchtime today will choose the overall winner. That person heading off with a friend to see Katie Taylor. Flights, accommodation, spending money and tickets for the fight at Madison Square Garden, New York City. That winner being announced this afternoon. So if you're one of our qualifiers, you need to be ready Thanks to Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Put your trust in their award-winning after-sales team with a Skoda service at noeldc.com. It's only on Cork's 96FM. Exciting afternoon ahead. Exciting afternoon ahead. This, 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 this is the... Com- We're not allowed to enter our own competitions on the radio program, on the radio show. But this is one I would happily have broken the rules. I didn't. But one I would happily have broken the rules for. 0818 96 96 96. Now, last week we had people contacting us about questions that were being asked at their doorstep by census enumerators. We will be talking to the Central Statistics Office about that a little bit later this hour. And we'd be putting some of the questions to them that you brought up. And if you've anything else we want to ask them, you can certainly tell us at 0818 96 96 96. But first of all, 
if you've been out of work for a while uh, through the pandemic, through staying at home to raise your children, through whatever reason, uh, you might be trying to get back into work. And it can be a difficult thing to do, uh, particularly for a, a woman, a mom, a stay-at-home mom, maybe who's been minding a couple of smallies for the last few years. Now she's ready to go back and she feels out of touch with how it's all done. There's an organisation called Work Equal and they have a workshop coming up very, very soon. Uh, but we caught up with Angela Smith, uh, who is the head of Work Equal, uh, to find out a little bit more. Angela, Work Equal has been around for quite a number of years, but recently you've been focusing a lot on the family-friendly workplace and, of course, gender equality in the workplace. Tell me more about the organisation first. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Um, the Work Equal, and we did start off life as Dress for the Press, and we recently rebranded to Work Equal last October. So we support women across Ireland to try get them back into work or maybe enter work for the first time. Yeah. So if you're looking for work, whether it be the first job, or maybe you are happy now with the workforce for a little while and you want to go back, we, we, will, genu- we will work with you to give you a tailored experience to help you build, build, build your confidence and skills to help you succeed in your job search. Now that you mentioned it, I remember Dress for Success very well. Yes. We're actually now in our 11th year. And it, uh, I suppose we've, we've evolved and grown over the last two years and developed new services and programs in response to what our clients are looking for. So our services are totally free of charge to individual women. And you can book an appointment or, request, or ask a question by just contacting us at info at work ie. And we have a number of different services and you can request multiple services. Yeah. They're free of charge and it's all about building confidence and supporting you getting back into work or getting to work for the first time. I think the the whole work, the whole way we look at work, uh, Angela, changed over lockdown and over the pandemic. And family-friendly work became more and more important. And now that people are maybe going back to the workplace after two years out, either working from home or not having a job at all, Everything's changed because you've got to go and look after your family as well as as well as go back to work. Everything has changed. Everything has totally changed, and that's been part of our conversation. Um, we run an annual Work Equal campaign every November, and it's a very much looking at what are the barriers to equality in the workplace. And in the in recent years, we're looking at affordable childcare. But we're also conscious that COVID impacted women, I think, more adversely uh, in the last couple of years between trying to. Running the home, if you are working, you're trying to work from home on top of that, you're doing a normal household duties. It, it just put an awful lot of pressure yeah. on women particularly. And and what we would hope not would not happen is that women might leave the workforce because of the severe, just the pure pressure of trying to juggle everything. Yeah. But, uh, but, that, but we've always said as part of the conversation of look at quality in the workplace, flexible working is always one of the options or solutions. Like we're very much a solution-focused yeah. organisation. And uh, flexible working was always part of that conversation. And that has come into its own in the last two years because it, it can work and it does work. Yeah. And it's just and just having the open conversation with employers. Yeah. Can you accommodate that hybrid model if that's the right word to use now? I think that's the way we're going to go. Yeah. It's very topical also, isn't it? Because we're looking now at the legislation uh, that's currently going through on the right to work from home and how your employer needs to demonstrate to you 
why you can't work from home. But I could see a lot of people having to ha- argue with their employer and, and possibly a lot more women because women now, with, with the massive cost of childcare, they're quite comfortable working at home. Yeah, and, and also women can self-select, as I suppose, part-time work and, and, and not as well-paid jobs because of the cost of childcare and taking the time out then to, to try and juggle everything. As I said, running the home, homeschooling, childcare, it tends, unfortunately, to fall mostly on, on women's uh, shoulders. Yeah. But uh, no, no, it's, it's good. The main thing is, is to have the conversation, talk to the industry, talk to your em- em- employers, be open. It's just important that we do have that conversation. Is is that a service that Work Equal can help people with, or is that a service you provide to help them through that kind of negotiation? It, it's not one of our core, core services. We do talk to, as said, industry employers, community sectors. The our core services, as I said, is very much about supporting them yeah. back into work, and that would cover the likes of, say, for okay. example, employer workshops which, uh, like, 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 we work with a range of companies and organisations from different sectors. Yeah. And just to talk about topics that affect women looking for work. Yeah. So, for example, we have a workshop now next Thursday with North Star Healthcare. It's on the 31st of March. It's from 11 to 12.30. And it's their pharmaceutical company, a leading supplier of uh, generic uh, pharmaceutical drugs. And their staff are going to talk to our, say, clients or participants in that workshop, even to talk about the demystifying the language. If you see a job role or job spec and you in some cases women might look at it and say, I'll only do I can only do eight out of the ten parts of that job spec, so I won't apply for it, which is yeah. wrong. And I'm supposed to know the job inside out. Uh, or you might see the word oh God, travel, travel involved. I won't apply for that. But travel could be only once a year. <laughs> yeah. And and so the the staff of uh, North Star they're, they're fantastic. They're very said to be very interactive and they give helpful hints and tips about CVs, cover letters, um, that, that even the, the, the staff themselves will talk about their own career journeys and their own stories about how they got to where they are. And it's uh, and, and also just talk about the values of the organisation and their recruitment process. Yeah. So, the, the, so those insights are hugely important. Are there tickets for that or can people just book a place? What's the story? You can. They can. It's, it's free of charge. It, it, if you email Georgina, at workequal.ie that's Georgina at workequal.ie there's, uh, there's no limit on, on places so please take up take the opportunity Just and, and it's great to connect also with a corporate and some of our clients have been out of work for a while and even and, and so like our workshops or our mentoring programs it's yeah. great to connect with somebody who is in the corporate world if you've been out of work a while yeah. like the phone stops ringing and the networks dry up yeah. So the fact that we're connecting or reconnecting uh, people back with, with, with corporates who are very well connected yeah. and it just introduces you to maybe industries you might even have thought of working for. Yeah. So as I said, there's a number of services, as I said, such as mentoring, financial education, even the image consultancy. Like if you've been dressed professionally for an interview, yeah. then it will boost your confidence and your performance yeah. and, and also makes a great first impression with a potential employer. So we provide one-to-one one-to-one uh, free styling consultations okay. provide you with the workwear uh, provide you for the outfits for that interview yeah. if you get the job you come back to us and get four more outfits that essential clothing to help you during the first few weeks of work yeah. I said all our services are free free of charge excellent, to, excellent. To I, I, I had wondered once or twice what had happened to Dressed for Success because I remember 
covering their activities quite a lot a number of years ago. And, and and this is exactly what happened, and I'm delighted to see it. Angela, good to talk to you. Great to talk to you, and thank you very much for having me. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96 FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96 FM.ie now. 96 FM.ie now. Take the 10 minute survey and you could win a 100 euro just eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. Coming up shortly, I'll be joined by a spokesperson from the Central Statistics Office, the Central, uh, the Census Department, to address some of the issues you raised last week. On the program, they're not overly happy with some of the things that were said. We'll address that, but if you've questions, we can we can ring them at oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But first of all, uh, how old John A Murphy from Waterfall? How old is this this parrot, Charlie? Morning, 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 PJ. Uh, well, we all, when my brother phoned him in England that time, he is about two or three years old, so he's about 30 years old now. He's on his 30. And he lives to be 100. He lives to be 100. Crikey. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I wouldn't realise that, that they, live, they can be lived to be a ripe, a ripe old age. This fella now, he features in a, a series by, uh, by The Echo called My Pet and Me. There's a great story about getting him from... Tell me about who found him, and there's a great story about getting him to Ireland. It's a brilliant story. Oh, there's, there's some fierce stories. Um, there's my brother. He was walking in England there in building, and um, there's somebody whistling all day. He was hearing noises, right? Mm. And as I said, uh, nobody knew where it was coming from. And as you know, now you can't whistle now at the moment because people call the police, you know. So mm. Charlie was there now at the moment. He closed down every place in England, I'd say. But he had the, he had the, <laughs> he had all the whistling. He found his parrot up the up the thing. So. They caught him. Uh, he really had the catch, but they caught him in it. So a court of him, took him to the police, and police said if nobody collect them, that he could take him home. Yeah. So he said he would, but to the Irish house, like and on the way home, then the, the parrot was shouting, "F the Queen!" You know, as loud as he could. <laughs> so there's definitely an Irish house here then. So he had to stop him, you know. And this was 1990s, like when when the troubles were on, you know. God, right, right, right. So he, he and he was driving home, like he was driving on the on the on the on the boat. Are like you getting the boat home on the, the thing? So he was under fierce pressure. Like. <laughs> so he's up in the bar. <laughs> well, he was definitely in that van. He left him in the van, covered over, and yeah. <laughs> Yes, the bottle went for a few drinks. He went for a few drinks on the way, but he made sure that the bottle was going to be quiet. <laughs> and he could whistle. He could whistle. The oh, he whistled. Yeah, he could do the Lel and Healthy tune perfect. He, whoever was teaching him, and he was picking it all up, you know. He, yeah, well, yeah. He's fierce word for picking things up. And then, As I said, he picked up all the dirty language. Right. Uh, I know, yeah. He, and does he still does he still curse like? No, I know, yeah. He, the, the big B word, no one. Be X, you know that word? He, yeah, yeah, that one, that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he comes up with his own words as well. Like, he, he know, he'd hear people talking and he'd come up with yeah, bad words, you know. Right. And there's one time, but that's the thing about him. Actually, tell you, you know, he's kind of named after a famous RT man, you know. Would you know who that is? 
Uh, Graham Graham Darth, of course. Charlie Bard, well done. That's where he got the name <laughs> and, you know, from, I suppose. Yeah. And they have the same kind of characteristics, like the two of them do their own thing, like Charlie was their own man as well, and he was in the 90s, and they do their own thing. So Charlie's name will be there for a long time. I know Charlie's sick and we wish him the best, best of health and all that. Like, but yes, yes, yes. Charlie will be there for a long time after now. That's so right. that's that's what we named after Charlie Bard. That's right. And, and he, counts up, he counts up numbers and stuff. Well, he does the counting, uh, he can count to 10, we tell him all to 10, and he goes the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but he loves G every time he starts, he stops at G, and he keeps on G, G, G. Right, right, <laughs> right. So like a record of them. But he, he's good to talk, and he takes off bobs, cats, anything. You don't know if you have a bob in the house or a cat in the house or something. Crikey. Like oh, he's an, inter- an impersonator, like. He's an impersonator. Is it? A, he's like when you see Facebook now, you see all these other balls. They be out doing tricks and everything. Charlie just likes to do. His, he just likes to be in the cage. If you, we left him out of the cage, but he didn't want to do anything, he, and you can't get him back. Then he he just you know it's very hard to get him back. So he's happy where he is. You know he does his own thing. Then that's kind of good. I, so that's, like, would he? Does he recognize people? Like, would he know? The... Oh, he would, yeah. He would. He'd have an idea of people's eyes. As I said, there's a friend of mine now, she's Ducky, you know, she's, she's, uh, she comes in, she, she know, he knows her because he knows she, she's going to sing to him and kind of dance with him, like, so she, and she, she's waiting for a, a, a surgery, you know, and cancer as well, so I wish her luck as well. <laughs> Let's look. But she, he, he knows some people are. Like, she's like, when I go after work in the morning, he just say, see ya, boy, he knows where you're going, right? he knows where you're going. Yeah. And same with the phone call, you know, if, you're, if you're giving numbers sometimes to people and uh, looking for your phone number or something else, yeah. some number, he, he sat in the middle of it like he shot five, six, two, <laughs> and confused the person <laughs> at the other side of the line. That happened a lot of times. <laughs> and I'd say... That's true, like that's... Oh, brilliant. That's I'd say true. you'd have to be careful around him as well, like, you wouldn't want... You know the way you'd, you'd take a phone call from someone... And, and, and oh, definitely, yeah. Like, ah, fuck <laughs> Joe, right? Yeah. And then the next time That's Joe right. comes to the front door, ah, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And like he do the voice, he gets the voice very well sometimes. Like really you definitely think to your brother or some the neighbours talking, you know, you don't know who's there. This, <laughs> so, this actually, well, as I said, like he's just happy to do, happy like that. He don't want to do any tricks, you know? He's yeah, just yeah, being yeah. himself. I'm sure he, he causes enough ructions without doing that. Hang on, here's, oh, a, oh, do, yeah, yeah, here's, here's a clip of what he sounds like. Hold on. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. What? That's him? That's him now. That's the whistle now. That, you see, he, he tore down all the building sites now with that whistle because two, somebody three, take a fence to him. Come here. Did, did I hear? Or did I see that? How many dogs did you guys have growing up? Yeah, my my dad he had thirty five dogs up in the house. He thirty five everything like he'd ha- he would begin to the harriers that time as well. Wild for harriers, and he used a greyhound, he had a greyhounds and bits and pieces of every type of dog. We were all into animals. We all loved animals. We still do, you know. Brilliant. But uh, as I said, he was a bin man that time. The, the original bin man there on cock, and uh, he used to bring the bags of bread home every night to feed them. You know, he get three bags when you be emptying the bins. Everybody used to be trying out bread and things like that. And he would c- collect the whole lot and bring it home. So you'd free food and f- f- uh, free feeding for the dogs. You know. So that was him. That's a character. And he kept them all. He kept, they were all fed and everybody was happy. And they, none of them were fighting. They all seemed to get on well together on the same pin, you know? Big massive pin up in the field. So a 30-year-old is a red-tailed <laughs> South African parrot. He's a South African red-tailed, yeah. South African red-tailed parrot. But you see him on the, as I say, you see him on the Facebook doing all trying the tricks with it. I think Charlie's just happy doing what he wants. Good, 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 good for Charlie. He does, like, he, 
Yeah, as I say, he let you pet you at night. That's the only time you kind of let you pet him, you know. But then during the day, he'd take the hand off. He was like to pet him, you know. My my, my <laughs> wife had an experience like that in Lanzarote. There was a, there was a, a parrot like that. No, big beautiful bird, and the guy in the in the little zoo or little garden centre was saying, "You can stroke his head," and she said, didn't he catch a hold of her finger? <laughs> yeah, and they don't even go up. to be stroked. <laughs> <laughs> that's them, yeah. That's what they can be. They can be vicious, but at the same time, they can be very nice, you know. Ah, yeah. As I said, they they, they helped the mother like with, with the mother got all time at that time, and he was a great companion. It was the best oh, thing ever. You, my brother, brought home, you know. It helped an awful lot, and that's why I say that something like that, an animal or anything like that, anybody who's suffering from any ailments like that, is always good to have an animal. They're a great company, anyway. <laughs> Great company, the company's fantastic, eh? Yeah, brilliant. Um, All right. If not, if not, he has to do it, like you can talk to him. <laughs> talk away to somebody, you know. Fantastic. You, you, you work for Faroga yourself, do you, John? Faroga, yeah. I, I'm the caretaker down the Faroga up in Natnahini. So I'm happy All right. to. All right, listen. Thanks for telling us about Charlie the Cheeky Parrot. It's in the echo. Um, a South African red tailed parrot who can curse and swear and I can navy and can whistle and can sing. And here he is counting. Just play this again. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> oh, eight, one, eight, ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Oh, apparently he was seen dancing to that at the Vanity Fair party, post-Oscars party, with a big glass of champagne in one hand and an Oscar in the other. And why not? <laughs> Yeah, okay. We, last week, we began to get calls about census enumerators calling to people's houses. And without us asking for any particular questions, we got quite a lot of them. And people were being asked questions on the door, and they were just a little bit put out about them, and they wanted us to find out a little bit more, and we found out there's quite a few questions being asked that just left people a bit bemused as to what they were asking for. So we're going to talk with Eileen Murphy, who's Head of Census Administration at the CSO, and we will do that next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. So last week, as I said to you, we, we, we began to get some calls and messages about the questions that people were being asked on the doorstep by their census enumerator. And some of those questions made people feel uneasy. Particularly a question about how many men were in the house uh, and, and other questions like that. One listener, a number of listeners actually felt that that was an inappropriate question, particularly for women who lived on their own. One woman was made, felt, she felt very nervous after being asked about that. Other people were saying they were being asked about holiday homes and they just felt that some of the questioning was a, a bit intrusive and, 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 and a little bit perhaps inappropriate at times. Eileen Murphy is Head of Census Administration at the CSO and she joins me now. I'm happy to have you on the opinion, Eileen. Good morning to you. Good morning, AJ. Now, let's start with that particular question that was coming up. Why do you ask how many men will be in the house? Okay, so just to put everyone's mind at ease, AJ, um, and make sure that everybody does... uh, partake in the census which is happening this Sunday on the 3rd of April um, even 
before that, because I know there was some questions even about the numerators themselves, to say that they go through a, a stringent recruitment process which started last November. They all get shortlisted and interviewed with nearly 13,000 people applied for 5,000 positions. And uh, they all go through guard vetting before they can start uh, the role. But as you say, it's really important to ensure that it is a census enumerator that's on that doorstep. So you'll know they're a census enumerator because they'll have a high-vis vest with census on the front and census enumerator on the back. They'll be carrying a central statistics office bag with all the census forms. And they'll have an ID badge. And the ID badge uh, says that they're an officer of statistics. And that means that they are legally bound to protect your personal data. So everyone who works on the census is legally legally bound to protect everyone's data by law. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're calling at various times, uh, seven days a week, Monday to Sunday, uh, any time we say between nine in the morning and nine at the even- in the evening. Obviously, there are more people at home now during the day, but lots of people are still at work and, and with shift work patterns and stuff to get people at home to actually give them the form, they do have to call in the evening times. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just encourage people to if to check all the those uh, things I said about the high vis vest, the ID card, sure. that it is an enumerator, but that you would open the door uh, to get your form. They will not come into your house. They will only speak to you on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. So uh, the census form, so the, one of the first questions they ask is, are you going to be home on census night? Because there's different information if you're going to be home or not yeah. at home. Um, and then, then the question on the number of people in the house on census night is to make sure that they're giving you the right form. So the, the main form that we give out, the household form, allows you to record up to six people in the house on the night. But if you have more people in the house, you're going to need additional forms. So sure. the first question is to see that they're giving you the right form. The second question is, it's actually on the front of your form, on under the address box. But just for a second, box, Eileen, people, are being, what person, people came yeah. to us is how many men, specific yes. question, how just, many men? Yeah. I'm just answering that now for you, PJ. On the front of your form, there's a question that says number of persons present on census night, males, females, total and absent persons. And the enumerator always checked this and and gave this information back to us in HQ, but it was a paper process. This time uh, we're using a mobile app to record the information. So we actually are doing a preliminary count um, and this always took us a, a good bit of time to put out after the census. Um, we're hoping to put out a preliminary count before the end of June of how many males and females and total people are in the country. And so this question was just to help with that process. Did you know how many males and how many females are going to be in your house on mm. census night mm. to help with that preliminary count? Just so come it's back just to it a second, Eileen. Process. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get the preliminary counting and I know that you give out preliminary figures. I've, I've had that previous, previous censuses. But a number of the people that contacted us were women who specifically were asked about the number of men. No question about the number of women, just the number of men. No, they they asked, the enumerator asked the quest, both questions on the doorstep. As I say, it's the number of people that will be in the house on census night and the number of males and the number of females. Um, and if any particular enumerator didn't ask it in that form, if, if there's any issue, people can contact our... Um, website census.ie we have a help desk form on there and we also have a help desk number 0818 if anyone has any issues with any particular person 
and we will be in, we will ensure to follow up and make sure that uh, everything is is in order. But that is part of, as I say, the normal questioning to know how many people will be in the house on the night, to know what forms to give, and at start at the to uh, ensure our initial primary population account is is as accurate as possible. Yeah. And look, we're 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 aware of the important job being done by the census, and and we you know we want nothing to get in the way of that. But I mean, if if people are uncomfortable with the question. Yes, they don't they have to respond. They don't have to. They can just put their information in the form, correct? Absolutely. Right, yeah. I guess, Eileen, we, we live in a world where, where people no longer trust uh, common or garden callers to the front door, and particularly women. They feel vulnerable when a stranger calls to the door. And you you outline the way that the person has the high vis and they have ID and they have all of that. People are uncomfortable about callers to, to the door, I guess. Uh, you know, can they just take the form and, and not talk to the person and just do it that way? And the person will want to take uh, some information. They also do ask if possible, if the person is willing to give it for a contact uh, number uh, so that they can get back to them after census night to arrange a time to collect the form. Uh, but again, that is voluntary. You don't have to give that information. But we have also engaged with um, the guards and um, we have um, contacted our, all the local guard areas and the community guards. So to get out the message that the census enumerators are calling and who the enumerators are in the different areas. So if you if you have any further concerns, you could contact your local guard station if you wanted to check. Um, and I suppose that's why we do such a big publicity campaign and why we're on as many radio shows, uh, mm-hmm. papers, TV that we can. We've got ads running on radio, on TV, on bus shelters, on you name it, social media, uh, just to let people know that it's the census happening and to um, open the door to the enumerators. Mm. On your website, uh, under the the FAQs, it it says that uh, some data will be sent abroad. Where does it go? Why does it go there? Uh, And how? I mean, we know that confidentiality is everything here at home, but how can we trust that one if it's going overseas? Um, I don't know where you got that information from, PJ, because there is nowhere on our website that says that because no data leaves the country. All the data is um, processed in the Central Statistics Office in Swords on a specially built processing system that is a closed network that is not open to the to um, outside uh, access. Okay. So everybody that works on that system has to be physically present in our office in Swords. The data does not leave the country. It's not shared with anyone else in Ireland. It's not shared with any other government uh, agency. Um, and no identifiable information on any individual or household is shared with anyone else or is published by us. We only aggregate the data, anonymise it, take any personal information of it and use that data for planning purposes for you know, for your communities, for 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 regionals, for nationally to plan where we need healthcare, where we need schools, where we need uh, housing, where we need transport. Mm. A number of people who contacted us said they were asked about holiday homes. Yes. So, uh, as well as being a population count, it's uh, also a record of the dwellings in the country at a particular point in time. And I know um, after the last census, there was a lot of. Um, 
uh, interest in vacancy figures and vacant houses. So part of our process is to also categorise housing uh, as occupied or unoccupied, and that will include holiday homes, vacant homes, homes that are for sale or rent, um, that are undergoing renovations, etc. So it's really important that the numerator is able to categorise whether this is an occupied house, where there will be someone on census night, and if they haven't found someone at home yet, that they need to keep calling to get them a form before census night, or whether this is a, a, a holiday home or um, the home is vacant and there will be nobody there on census night. Just somebody on the phone here now as we're speaking, Eileen. In relation to the question, how many men are in the house? I was personally very uncomfortable. That's what the person said on the phone, as were my neighbours. And a person who called to my door said they were just told to ask this when it was raised in training. The enumerator for the road left a card almost three weeks ago. Myself and some neighbours texted her. She said she wasn't working the rest of the week or the weekend. We haven't seen her since and therefore we have no forms. What do we do now? If you haven't got a form, how do you get one, Eileen? Okay, so they are going to be working um, all the way up to census night. Um, Enumerators work part-time hours, about 22 hours a week, so they don't work every day. Um, But they will be calling between now and Sunday. If you have any issue or you're worried about getting your form, again, you can go onto our website, census.ie, and there's a help desk form there where you can fill in um, your details and we'll make sure to get a form to you. And also that helpline number that I gave you earlier, 0818-202204, where you can request a form. Is the census enumerator allowed to read the form after it's collected? The enumerator in my area is a neighbour. They don't read the form. They do, when they're picking it up on the door, just flick through it to make sure it is completed and that it's signed inside the back page. But if you have any concerns, you can either request uh, an envelope from the enumerator or put uh, the form into any envelope and send it to the free post address that's on the front page of the form. Okay. Um, okay. It's, uh, yeah, and I guess just to ease people's minds again, Eileen, you know, if when I fill my form out next Sunday night, mm-hmm. and presumably someone will call to me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they'll have their ID and all of that, because my wife met our enumerator. I didn't. I didn't meet our enumerator. But mm-hmm. when I hand them my form, fully mm-hmm. completed, where what's its pathway? Where does it go? Okay, just to say, first of all, that. Each enumerator has 400 houses or so that they need to call to, so they won't get to all of you next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There will be a number of weeks uh, before they get round to everyone. But yes, the forms uh, go back to uh, a secure box in the enumerator's house. That gets collected by uh, our transport company and brought back to our office in Swords, where we scan all the forms uh, into our processing system to get a digital copy of the forms and then we work on those digital copies to um, to analyse them and clean the data and make sure we have accurate information um, to publish the preliminary data in June and then from next year, from next April to next December, a number of thematic reports. And then those physical forms um, get stored securely for 100 years yeah. uh, before they're do released still, to the public. Do we still do that, yeah? We do indeed. Uh, and I suppose the new addition to the form this time is the time capsule, uh, which is on inside the back page, yeah, which is a yeah, voluntary was, section I, I, of the I, form. I, I forgot to ask you that because people were, what am I supposed to put into that? 
<laughs> well, this is it. A lot of people think um, that uh, they get writer's block when they look at it and think, do I have to put something really important in there? Um, this is going to be a really important part of social history. And can you think of, you know, if your own descendants in in uh, are looking at this in 100 years' time, what might they like to know about you or your life in Ireland today? Or some people are talking about making predictions about what they think 21, 22 will look like. Um, other people talking about sharing secret family recipes or tracing baby handprints or footprints on onto the forum. So it really is, there's no limits to what you can put in there. The only limit is your imagination mm. and, and how you what you feel you'd be comfortable sharing. Is there a dress code for enumerators? We had one man complain last week that it didn't help in the trust of the person at the front door that, and to quote his words, he looked like he was dressed to fix up the garden shed. Is there a dress code? There is no dress code as long as they're wearing their um, high-vis vest and, and satchel because this job lasts for 10 weeks and when they start the job uh, they started at the end of February beginning of March and it's very cold and can often be wet etc and sure. people will want to wear coats and gloves and you know warm things whereas by, by the time we finish collecting the forms towards the end of April it'll be quite summery so it's very hard to dictate to people what to wear when you're working outdoors and people uh, need to be comfortable working Sorry. outdoors and be warm And, and lastly um, someone received their form and it's completely in Irish how do I get it in English? Uh, sorry, the, the the line dropped out there. I didn't quite Someone hear Someone received said. a form and it's in Irish. Can they get one in English? Absolutely. As I said, if they go on to census.ie and complete the help form there um, or ring the helpline number 0818 2022-04. 2022-04. All right. Listen, Eileen, you've been helpful today and thank you very much. Uh, from the uh, CSO, their, their head of Census Administration, Eileen Murphy. Thank you very much for being with us on the Opinion Line. I hope that addresses some people's concerns that were raised on the programme last week. 0818 96 96 96. Shall we have one more listen to this because we have a, a call about it. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> <laughs> That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked out of me. Keep up my name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was the greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Now, I've talked to Chloe Sheehan before. Chloe, you have uh, alopecia. Um, we know that Jade, Jada Pinkett Smith has and is very sensitive about it, as one would imagine. What did you think of that last night? Morning, Jill. Hi, PJ. Thanks very much for inviting me on. Um... I suppose, PJ, it's extremely disappointing. I think the whole thing actually was very disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I was just saying to the girls there a minute ago, like, Jada suffers from alopecia and she spoke out about how it makes her feel and her mental health and her struggles with it. Um, I'm not sure Chris Rock had all the information 
However, I don't agree with what he done or that she should have been the butt of the joke. And like for Jada, she has everything, you know, she has a great lifestyle, you know, loads of money, everything. She's a celebrity. And like, even still, we don't know how she felt leaving the house yesterday. You know, was she, you know, worried about her head and, you know, how her mental health was. And then to go to the Oscars and to go and enjoy herself and to be the butt of someone's joke mm. over such sensitive material, I was genuinely sickened when I heard it this morning. I so, just someone who had access to all the camera angles, Chloe, said that there was one quick sort of pan where she seemed to wince at the joke. Oh, I, I can I can only imagine the embarrassment she felt. Like, uh, to be honest, I, I think it's a form of bullying. Um, I know not everyone will agree with me, but as someone who does suffer from alopecia, I know I woke up this morning to all my group messages and my Instagram page, and people are very upset and hurt by it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on my page, Chloe's Hair Fair, and I'm trying to put it out there constantly and trying to raise awareness, and it's sort of one step forward, ten steps back. Mm. Like, under no circumstances should alopecia or hair loss be the butt of a joke ever or anything that someone is suffering from. Mm. You know, it, it's an autoimmune disease. It's not her fault she has the disease. It's something she suffers with and no way should it ever be a butt of a joke, you know. If Chris Rock or anyone else didn't know, then you might have some leeway. But she's been very public about it. Exactly. It's the first and thing. And secondly, he and Will Smith knew each other and from what we're told, they're not pals anyway. So yeah. leave it out, Chris, kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I just think to like to stand there and diss a woman, like apart from that, even if she didn't have alopecia and she chose to have a shaved head, she shouldn't be the butt of a joke because of it. You shouldn't be the butt of any joke because you're different, whether it's because of a disease mm. or it's because of choice. It was wrong on so many different levels. And like, I, as I was saying, I put it out there all the time. And I was saying to your producer there a while ago, um, a couple of weeks ago, and I spoke about this on my Instagram page, a little girl, um, Rio in America, she was 12. She took her own life. Um, she suffered from alopecia and she was being bullied so bad over it. And she was going to school and her wig was being ripped off. And she was a beautiful little girl. And... I, I find that, like, if someone like Jada, as, you know, high profile as she is, is getting butts of jokes like that, imagine what children in school are getting. And it's not okay. It's not okay to say something about someone's difference, you know, no matter who the person is. Yeah. You know, it's so wrong. And it's it's just... It's are you very- saying, Cody, that even, even if... She hadn't been so public about it, and even if it wasn't out there that she suffered from alopecia, even if he that we should like, if, even even if he didn't know that he shouldn't make um, a joke about a person's bald head. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you, you don't know what anyone is going through behind closed doors. It's funny, I can identify with that because a number of years ago, I was present at an event where. A chap made a joke about uh, it was a karaoke competition, uh, and this mm-hmm. guy came up and he'd done really well. And he hadn't, he was only about 14 and he was completely bald. 
and the host made a bit of a joke about it. Now, the lad himself didn't take much offence, but his dad came up. He was furious because the lad was going through chemo. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, be- you just be- don't know. Best not, to, best not to comment on stuff you don't know about. How are you doing, quickly, before we finish? Very good, very good. Um, still harping away, raising awareness on my Instagram page, and it's it's going great, and my own hair is growing like the grass. Fantastic. And everything is fantastic, yeah, since I was last speaking to you in September. So everything is really good, thank God. Good for you, good for you. All right, Chloe. Chloe Sheehan, Chloe's Hair Affair, you'll find her on Instagram. It's kind of, and that's a true story. That karaoke competition story is a true story. It's a lot of years ago. It just came to my head now. So many years ago, I'd forgotten it. Just don't make jokes about difference because you don't know anybody's story, I guess. Now, Will Smith to get up and clock him on, I'm not too sure that was an appropriate response either. But there you go. I had an inspector from the council check the apartment I'm living in, wore no mask, is a comment in finally. And lastly, a CB, I don't remember those questions being asked at the door for previous censuses. Does anybody else? They say they were... So I guess we kind of have to take them at their word, CB, but appreciate your message as always. And that's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant Glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.